Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Big Kids. This is my first episode, so it's pretty exciting. This podcast is about existing and surviving as a giant kid. Kind of. Big Kids goes over the triumphs, the struggles, and common confusions of fresh adulthood. Some topics are actually helpful and factual, and other topics are just some general support to get by. I'm personally a big kid, so I know what it's like to be just a fresh adult and really, really confused. I think adulthood is one of my comfort topics that I like to talk about, and I think the people in my life are pretty sick of hearing it. So I thought, hmm, maybe people on the internet want to learn dumb things that are actually really, really useful. So we're going to start this episode off uh, quite strong. Today's awesome topic is Canadian investment accounts. You've probably heard older people talk about their RSPs, XYZS, and it's kind of got you in a bind. It can be really confusing. So a few of the things that I want to go over are, are investments actually worth it when you're fresh out of high school or even in your early 20s or your 30s? Uh, I would like to suggest that they are in fact very important, and I'm going to tell you why. There's a lot of different options when it comes to investment funds, but I'm only going to touch down on the top two that you probably hear about the most as a Canadian. What are they? Why are they important? How do I get my grubby little hands on them? Let's get started off with one of my personal favorites, the tax-free savings account. You've probably heard about it. It's not that old. They just started it up in Canada in 2009, so it's, it's still pretty fresh. To qualify for one of these accounts, you need to be the legal age of a big kid, which is 18. You need a valid social insurance number, and you don't actually need to be employed or have a standing income to qualify for a TFSA. The most beautiful thing about a TFSA is that the interest gained is entirely tax-free, so when you pull the money out, you don't actually have to pay any extra taxes on it. Another really incredible thing about the TFSA is that if you don't hit your contribution limit in one year, then it gets pushed to the next. So let's say I'm 22 years old, which I am, it's not a lie. I was born in 1998, um, so my contribution limit is like just a bit over $28,000. So I could technically put all of that money in, which I, I haven't reached that. There's no way. I think I have like barely anything in my account. But if I really wanted to and I came into money by some fluke chance, which I'm putting it out there, please, uh, then I would be able to put all of that money into the account. So how does it work? Essentially, you open up your TFSA account, you put some money into it, you gain a little bit of interest. There's no penalties for withdrawing your money. The only mandate is how much you actually put in each year. So if you go over your contribution limit, you're going to be penalized every month that the money's sitting in there. And that penalty is about 1% of the excess contributions. So let's say you put $200 into it. You're going to be charged 1% of that $200 every month until you take it out. On $200, that's not an incredible amount, but on $28,000, that can be quite a blow. 
There's quite a few different types of TFSAs and different types of money that you can actually put into them, but that's not something that I'm going to go over because I am pretty much just a non-professional that knows a little bit too much information. The easiest way that you can figure out what kinds of TFSA accounts you are qualified for or what ones are going to work best for your lifestyle and also your spending habits or your savings habits is by just going into your local bank, uh, demanding that they set you up with an account, maybe demanding a little bit nicely, there's no need to really be rude to them, but just setting it up, talking to them about your goals and what you have in mind for the account, and they're probably going to know your banking needs a bit better than I am. So the TFSA is something that is, it's pretty important for younger people. A lot of younger people kind of talk about it because it is still pretty fresh, only 11 years old. So I think that for young people, it's a really great starting place for investing your money and actually having a purpose for it. That's probably the best overview that I can give you of this account. So now that we're done with that, we're going to jump right into the big one, the Registered Retirement Savings Plan, or RRSPs. The RRSP, they're tax-advantaged accounts. So essentially, you get tax breaks on how much you invest into it every year. They're also tax-deferred. So the idea is that if you put money into your RRSPs, you can write them off on your taxes. This also means that when you start withdrawing money, hopefully in your retirement, you're going to have to pay taxes on it then. So you're not paying taxes on it now when you put it into your account, you're paying taxes on it when you're 65, etc. when you're actually taking the money out and using it for your retirement. The nice idea is that you, you essentially already get your tax back. So when you're taking it out in the future, you're going to have to pay the taxes on it. But right now when you're putting it in, it actually goes tax free. So Wealth Simple kind of paints this idea really well on their website. If you were to make $70,000 a year and you managed to put $12,600 into your RSPs, the CRA, the Canadian Revenue Agency, is going to look at you as if you earned $57,400, which can give you pretty good tax breaks. You're kind of lowering your tax brackets. You're seen as making less income, although you did make an entire income. So it's really beneficial in the times that you're putting it in. It can help you in that way, and then in the future, when the taxes get taken off of it, you essentially already had the tax deferred. So much like the TFSA, there's a contribution amount that it, it has a cap. So this contribution amount is subject to change, and it kind of reflects off of how much you make. So your limit's either 18% of your last year's income, or the maximum or the maximum set amount, whichever one's kind of smaller. So the contribution rate changes every year. One thing to definitely keep in mind when you're putting money into your RSPs is that there are quite giant penalties for taking the money out earlier than you're supposed to. There is a perk. If you're planning on buying a home, there is a way through the strict withdrawal rules that they have set up. There's this thing called the Home Buyer's Plan, or HPB. It's kind of a program through the CRA that allows first-time home buyers to withdraw up to $35,000 entirely tax-free from your RSP to use as a down payment on your house. But this is one of the rare instances that there's not penalties for taking the money out too early. 
If you are planning on buying a house and you wanna use your RRSPs that way, I would highly suggest looking into it more. There's also kind of rules and regulations that surround that that's really important to have an idea of. Now, when it comes to the kinds of investments that you can actually hold in this account, there's a lot. Uh, gold bars, silver bars. If you don't happen to have any of those in your pockets, you can put cash or savings bonds or mutual funds, ETFs, equity, mortgages, trust money, and quite a bit more. Just so I don't confuse you on what some of those are, I'm going to go over them. So firstly, ETFs, um, they're exchange-traded funds. There is a wide variety of ETFs. While mutual funds are kind of bundles of stocks, they're traded by professional investors, and it's usually done on behalf of you. A lot of people suggest kind of having balanced investments in your RRSP account. So you can kind of mix your assets to build a portfolio, as professionals would call it. So this kind of gives you more benefits, it gives you greater outcomes, etc. To give you an example, my personal RRSP is set up through my bank, and to paint an idea, I have 50% in mutual funds and 50% in savings. So this is kind of a riskier option because 50% of my savings money is kind of changing with what the investors put their money into and also alongside the stock market. But if you walk into your branch and you also demand one of these accounts, they're going to kind of know your needs a lot better, like a hell of a lot better than I will. So when you go talk to your your banker, they're going to kind of set you up with what you need. It might be in mutual funds. It might be in cash savings. It, it could be a plethora of things and they can do it to different percentages. So you don't have to just have a 50-50 or a 100%. You could have a 25-25-25-25. So there's lots of different options and the types of money that you can put into it and what you can really do with it. And you can change it over time. So if I no longer want 50% kind of haggling around with the stock market, I could say, you know what, enough of that. I just want the set interest rate and that's all I need. I'm going to assume if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're probably not 70 years old, but if you do happen to be 70, you're going to need to pull out your RSP investments next year. At 71, your RSP account needs to be closed and the money needs to be taken out. So that's something to also keep in mind for all you 70-year-olds out there. Next year's the big year. Now you might be thinking, what's actually better? A tax-free savings account or a registered retirement? I'd like to say both, really. Because RSPs are kind of in it with you for the long haul. They're going to be there for a while. They're definitely not going to be quick access cash. And you hopefully aren't going to see the funds until you're retired where the TFSA kind of gives you a little bit more wiggle room. Like it's more willing to go home with you at the end of the night. So in my personal, definitely non-professional opinion, I would say it's better to open a TFSA sooner than later. So if you're planning on buying a car or a house, or you have kind of a quick goal in mind, your TFSA is going to be a lot easier to access and not hit you with harsh tax penalties. 
But on the flip side, if you do happen to be a super saver and you want to get some money prepared for your retirement, then I would suggest an RRSP. Like I'd say they're good to have and it's good to have open and kind of be passively putting money into anyways. I'm not a big contributor into my RRSP, but who knows? Maybe one day I'm just going to hit bank. The government kind of works really hard to spook you out of taking any money from that account, so it's going to be a lot easier to resist quick withdrawals for some Amazon orders or for my most recent $200 Sheen haul. It's it's not going to be as easy to do that with because the government's going to be there knocking at your door saying, hey, you messed up today. But they're probably not going to be that nice. So take it from me. If you have a savings goal in mind, you want a sick $2,000 Mazda 3 like I've got, 2009, your TFA essay is going to be the way to go. If you want your money bundled until you are 71 at the latest and you don't want to be able to take money out anytime soon, your RSP is going to be a way to go. When I just painted it in that light, it actually sounded like a bad thing, but it is really awesome to be setting aside money for your retirement. You know, like a lot of us aren't really thinking about it. I'm not overly thinking about it, but it is something to keep in mind that I like to think that 65-year-old me, still really hot, rockin' body, she's sitting there in her rocking chair being like, thank you, young Kayla. I'm so glad you've done this for me. And then I'm just there like, yeah, rock on. Like, this is so good. Since we're on the topic of saving money, I want to give you kind of a non-professional tip, but something that I like to live by. It's good to have an emergency fund on hand because you never know what's going to happen. A lot of people have different ideas of what your emergency fund can be. Some people say it's only a month's worth of living or it's three months worth of living or it's a year. It's entirely up to the individual how much they want to put into it. I want to give you an example from my personal life. So the amount of money that I need to survive every month is give or take around $1,700, let's say. So at all times, I have $1,700 or three times that or 12 times that just in case something happens. Like you don't want to be caught in a bind. You need quick cash. I actually have my emergency fund in cash. I hide it somewhere that I'm not going to tell the public or else it would no longer be a secret. But it is one of those things that's kind of good to have if, if it's something that you think would be needed for your personal life. I know a lot of like financial gurus are like, this is the end all be all. Uh, you guys probably actually know who I'm talking about. But I do personally think that it's something really important because you never really know what's going to happen. Your car could break down or you could lose your job. Not saying this is going to happen, but you never know. Life just comes with so many swings and you cannot swerve them all. So if something was to happen, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of extra money that you don't really have to go through a process of taking it out. You just have quick access to it. And it does bring a little bit of peace of mind. Like I know I've had to dip into my emergency fund a few times, like mainly for vehicle and mechanical issues. But I've also lost my job before. I've also quit my jobs with nothing to do after and no backup plan. And I also couldn't find a job by the time that my 
employment insurance ran out. So it's kind of nice having and knowing that if something was to happen, you have kind of a backup that's really quick to access. So just a non-professional tip that I like to say is still a pro tip, but it's good to have. There's also another type of investment account called the Registered Education Savings Plan or the RESP. This is more geared towards people that have kids or are planning on having kids at some point. So the RESP, CT, just kidding. Wait, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I didn't even spell it right to even try to pull that one off. But the RESP is a tax-deferred investment account. It kind of helps parents plan for their kids' college tuition. There's, It's tax-deferred, so you don't have to necessarily pay tax on it at the moment. It kind of encourages parents to save away and... The government is being extra generous in this one, and it gives you 20 cents on every dollar you save, so up to a maximum of $500 a year, a lifetime limit of $7,200. I wish that I could be born as my own child and I could do this for myself right now uh, so that I could just go to school. But it it is something quite important if you're planning on having kids or if you want to have something set up for your kids to go to school. So this is available until your kid is like 17 years old, so almost a big kid. And then when your child enrolls in some kind of eligible educational program, they can take out the funds to pay for school. So the lifetime limit of the amount of money that you can actually put into this account for your kid is $50,000. That's total contributions, and that's excluding the government grant money that comes in as well. If, say, your kid's like, no, I'm not going to college, I'm doing whatever I want, which nothing but respect for that, then you can use the funds for another child. So you can move it on to your favorite child, or you can move it into your RSP, or you can take it out as cash. So there's kind of a little bit of wiggle room at the end of it when your kid fails you and decides to not go to college, even though you've been saving up for years. I'm entirely kidding. I think that sometimes college isn't even the best option for most people, but then you can just use it on yourself or use it on the next one. If you have multiple kids and they all don't go to college, the baby of your family is going to be really pumped. So let's say you are a symbol of wealth. You've maxed out your TFSA and you've maxed out your RSP and your kid's college fund is already prepared and you want to keep putting your money away and investing it, there are a few other options. You can put your money into non-registered investment accounts, which there is a plethora of them. They are endless. This, with non-registered investments, this is a really big one to go over and also something that I'm also uselessly passionate about. So I think in a further episode, we're going to kind of go more over that. We're also going to touch base a little bit on what is white man's astrology, the stock market, and we're going to just touch down on those things, but that's in a future episode. We're going to get there when when we get there. But a non-professional tip for non-registered accounts is there's usually no limit on the amount that you can invest into it. So if, if you are a hoarder of money, these are good options once you've kind of maxed out your other accounts and you have, I don't know, extra money laying around, which I wish that would be amazing. But these are kind of more the option for those of you that want to do more with it. 
Let's quickly touch down on the difference between saving and investing. We've kind of we've kind of touched down on these topics already, but I'm just going to quickly go into why it is important to have savings accounts and what type of money or goals you should have when you have a savings account. Savings accounts are really helpful when you're saving for something really quick. You know, you want to buy a secondhand car, you want to spend your money within a year or within a couple months. Having them in a savings account is pretty important at that point. The interest rates usually aren't extremely high on savings accounts, but you know, maybe you're getting, I think I get like a couple cents here and there. It's just like pennies that get thrown at me. But I know at any point, if I need to, I can pull that money out. That's another good thing for your emergency fund. If you want to build that first month or two months or three months or four or however many years you want to put into an emergency fund, it's good to keep that also in a savings account if you don't want cash hidden under your mattress, which isn't where I have mine hidden, by the way, so don't don't try me. But that would be a good account to put that money into because it's quickly accessible. You can get it at any point that you need it. And you know, if something was to happen, you were to crash your car, there it is, the money's there. Boom, we're good. Hopefully you just have insurance, but say you don't, which you should, it's illegal. A lot of people also suggest that if you're kind of in the baby steps of saving and you're just starting to put money away and you've already paid off your debts, then it's kind of a good place to put your savings is in a savings. Investment accounts are more for long-term plans. Like you want to save for your retirement. You want to save for your kid. You want to save for buying a house. Then investing is kind of a good way to put it in because you're going to see your money growing and you're going to kind of beat inflation. So that's a really important aspect to keep in mind when you're debating on saving or investing. Honestly, I suggest both. I keep some money in my savings account because I'm like, I need you. I'm going to need you at some point. And I put some money into many other accounts. Honestly, I've got a little bit of money everywhere. And when I say a little bit, I mean literally a little bit. So, and another good reason to invest is that you want to take advantage of the stock market, which is something that we're going to touch down in the future. The stock market is a huge investment and it is important to know all of the facts revolving around it. So that's something that I really want to put a whole episode towards. But if 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 you have a general concept of it and you understand the risks, but also the incredible benefits that come out of it, then that's also a good reason to invest. So I'm going to finish this episode up. I think I touched down on most things. You can follow me on Instagram at FreeKayla. I'm also on TikTok, but not a lot because I was like deeply, deeply addicted to it. So I'm I'm not on it all the time. I'm also FreeKayla on there. If you got any questions, DM me on Insta. Reach out. Uh... I'm more than willing to have a conversation. I'm bored and quite lonely. So it would be nice to kind of have some chats, you know, get a little deep with things. So yeah, follow me, subscribe to my podcast because that would be really exciting for me. And I'm glad that you were here. Most of my episodes are going to be quite short. I don't think that you need to really overcomplicate things that people are constantly overcomplicating and putting too much detail in. We only need the bare necessities, some bones. We need some bones for our foundation. So hit me up, 
follow me on those platforms. Thank you for tuning in to Big Kids. And I hope you come back next week because I'm going to be here and we're going to talk about something entirely different. So I'm your host, Kayla, free Kayla, you might call me. Have a good, wonderful week and think about your investment accounts.